Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. Something we keep coming back to on this podcast is how the communities in the 905 are expanding beyond simple bedroom commuter suburbs for Toronto. Each day we are growing into unique and vibrant towns and cities. As the 905 becomes a more dynamic and influential part of Ontario and Canada, more and more people are discovering the value and robustness of the people and, and the settings that exist in our own backyards. A significant part of this growing dynamic is the growing focus on the arts and culture. We have talked about this in the past, but today we are looking at a different aspect. And I'll preface this topic by asking you a question first. When was the last time you read a story based in your own hometown? More specifically, a story set in the world of a supernatural murder mystery. And more specifically than that, one that is set in a novel currently sitting on the Amazon bestseller list. I am talking about the trilogy of novels written by Burlington's own Doug Coggle. Doug hails from Edinburgh, Scotland, where he, however, he grew up here in Ontario, spending his teen years in Scarborough, and he has lived in Burlington for some time now, having made his career as a teacher. He currently is the English department head for high schools in both Burlington and Oakville and have received the McLuhan Distinguished Teacher Award. He is also the author of a trilogy of supernatural murder mysteries, all taking place here in the 905 region. His novels, Requiem for Thursday, Requiem for Noah, and most recently, Requiem for Mary Mack are all currently on the Amazon bestseller list. As well, Requiem for Thursday was a semi-finalist for the 2020 Book Life Prize Fiction Contest. Doug joins us today to discuss what makes the 905 such a powerful setting for his work, the inspiration for his storytelling, and why we tend to take for granted the idea that our own backyard can be the setting for something truly special. But before we talk with Doug, we'd like to encourage you to keep us going by helping to tell the stories of the 905 by supporting us financially. By joining our Patreon or through buying us a coffee, you can help keep us going. Your small contribution will go a long way to supporting the 905er and promoting the news, the issues, and the stories that make the 905 such a unique place to live, work, and play here in Ontario and Canada at large. Please go to the links in our show notes to sign up and help support independent news in the region. Thank you. Okay, well, I'd like to welcome Doug Cockell. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that, that correctly, to the 905er. Doug is a local author who has completed a trilogy of supernatural mystery thrillers, which I'm, I'm dying to know more about that genre <laughs> in a moment. But Doug, thank you for coming on the 905er and, uh, and for taking your time today. Thank you for having me. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it open to you, Doug, maybe for our listeners who are not aware of you or aware of your, your brand of, of storytelling. Could you maybe just give us a, a brief summary of what this trilogy is about and kind of maybe uh, uh, wet the whistle a bit of our listeners who be curious to hear hear more about about the stories. You know, it's interesting, Joel, that uh, publishing now is a very international sort of business. For example, my publisher is in Windsor. My editor is in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, the formatter is somewhere in the States. The books are printed in the States. And uh, I did all of my work from here in Burlington. Uh, of course, it's all done online now. 
the the books that I wrote, uh, the first book, I should be honest, I did practically everything. I tried everything because what I was trying to do was establishing a, establish a sort of milieu and characters. And I, I've had been lucky enough to travel in the United States and Europe and so on. So I had the world open to me. But eventually it came down to a question of whether I would write in an environment in which I was comfortable and, and that I knew well. And... Um, I think the, the key for me was a trip I took down to uh, Louisiana. One of my favorite authors is James Lee Burke, and uh, he writes these wonderful detective stories involving a, a Cajun uh, detective, and it takes place in New Iberia, Louisiana, which sounds pretty romantic. And so I went there, and I was enjoying the environment. I saw the... Um, the live oak trees and the bayou and all that sort of stuff, wonderful stuff for a book. But then I realized that basically it was just a community and that the romanticism and the, the, the beauty of it all was through Burke's writing. And that was really what settled me on taking the, the 905 area where I live and, and making it my, my milieu for my characters. And I've, I've never regretted it. I just want to follow up on that, that the, the, I mean, we think of, uh, when we read books, we think of like foreign exotic locales and, and going, going across the world and places that we've never been to and the, the romanticism of, of that. What, what, what is it about the 905 region? Like, you know, in Burlington, what's the romanticism to, again, go and write a, a supernatural murder mystery here, here in Burlington? You know, you're absolutely right. If you if you read somebody like Heather Graham, for example, uh, you're in um, Key West, Florida. You're in San Antonio. You're in Savannah, Georgia. If you read um, if you read uh, uh, somebody like um, James Lee Burke, you're in Louisiana. But um, the, the truth is that I found a tremendous richness in my own environment. Uh, for example, book one takes place kind of in the joining line between Hamilton and Burlington and the, the, the lift bridge there that many locals will, will know. It's sort of a, a landmark here. Um, there's a, a cemetery, which is very clear in my mind because I've been there, the one over by the Royal Botanical Gardens. The house, which is very important, is a house that I know facing facing the lake down on Lakeshore Avenue near the the, um, the the art gallery of Burlington, where I'm quite active in in uh, the arts uh, community. Um, as a matter of fact, the first title of my first book was "The House That Remembered Thursday." Because I'm I'm time obsessed. Uh, I hope we have time to talk about the nature of the the ghost story in a in a modern environment. I don't I don't know. But anyway, the 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 title was shortened to um, uh, Requiem for uh, Thursday, and uh, it takes place in the winter in in Burlington. And you know that that's important too. Uh, when you're talking about a community, you have to think about the weather. And one of the things that we all think of is this intense winter that we all experience. And um, I made a lot of mileage out of that. And uh, some people have told me that they almost feel the cold as another character because it 
it's it it lives in the imagery that I use and um, the both visual and and uh, sensation, a continuing presence. Um, then you know, there's the business of I find myself writing something like a police procedural, which is a, a kind of a funny thing because I, I didn't intend to uh, or pretend to know a lot about the police, but. Uh, I live quite close to a, a local police station here in, in North Burlington, and of course I've been inside, and so I have at least that minimal experience of, of the local police. But uh, oh, I also had the advantage of having a friend who is a, a, a detective and has spent his career as a bodyguard. Anyway, the uh, the local Halton police are are present in my story, and so that's all part of the. The, the what goes to make up the first book. But you see, winter becomes part of the setting. It becomes part of the atmosphere and moods. And of course, when you're writing a, essentially a ghost story, that's, that's vital. Right down to the level of the language, uh, what we call addiction and, and the book, the choice of words. I mean, it's all attempting to create a bit of our winter for the readers. Just, well, I had a quick question before you get to book two. You were born in Edinburgh, and one of the interesting things I noticed when I was when I lived in Scotland, and and some authors I, I know over there is that the sort of supernatural was a really big theme in Scottish literature. And I was just wondering, is that something you were consciously aware of that when you were attracted to that same field? You know, that, that there's. Um, much more than English literature, Scottish literature has this you know, sort of ghosts and um, a kind of dark kind of uh, atmosphere to it, if you like, quite often. I'm thinking of people like uh, James Hogg and people like that. So was that something you, you're kind of consciously working in the tradition of? You're right. And that was largely uh, uh, subconscious, I think. Edinburgh is a wonderful Gothic city. Um, I've actually been on a ghost tour in Edinburgh, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> they get you all into this little crypt, and then some guy who's called a, a, a jumper uh, jumps out at you and waves his arm around, and everybody screams. Um, no, but it, it's true. There, there's there's more of a, a, a tradition of, of ghostly presences in Edinburgh, but I think I've managed to to capture some of that atmosphere right here in on the escarpment and even up towards Milton in my uh, my third book. Um, by the way, I, I don't know if I've got time to mention this, but there is a, a not a character because he's the, the the tomb at the beginning of the first book is the tomb of the great Lafayette, and that actually is a real person. Uh, he died in Edinburgh. He was a, a famous magician. And there was a, a fire in the theater. He died during the fire. They, they were death traps back then, what with their uh, mm -hmm. arc lights and their draperies and so on. And um, he was dutifully buried in, in the city of Edinburgh. And then they discovered that they'd got the wrong body. Uh, there was a trick that, that Lafayette used to do where he would fall through a, um, a trap door and they discovered the real Lafayette burned to death under the stage, and they had basically buried a stagehand. Uh, you can go to Edinburgh, <laughs> as I have, and visit the tomb of the great Lafayette, but I've borrowed him for my first book. 
it's a great a great source of uh, of, uh, of stories the the things that actually happen in, in Edinburgh. <laughs> I mean, now place, placing it in in the nine hundred five region. I mean, as Joel said, it's, it's, we we're too keen to almost. Um, uh, underestimate our own region and think, well, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to locate a book, you've got to do it, you know, in Umbria or, or, you know, somewhere glamorous or, uh, Tuscany, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so why did, I mean, you said you, you haven't regretted uh, placing it in, in the 905, but, but uh, what, what led you to do that? Just, just your own familiarity and affection for the place. Well, as I mentioned, I spent a great deal of time on the first book, getting things like setting correct. And I did experiment with places like Newport, Rhode Island, where where I had spent some time. Uh, but uh, I'm really glad that I settled on this area. I'll, I'll give you another example. The, the escarpment, which is a wonderful natural um, resource and a very attractive and interesting place. It just hasn't been romanticized by authors. Um, the, the, the publishing is a very international business, and basically what we do is we take our communities and we place them out there and invite people to to experience them through our literature. Uh, Louise Penny does the same thing with her novels about Quebec. Um, but you see, the escarpment was an interesting problem because um, – uh, how, how do you really do justice to that wonderful scenery up there? Well, I use the device of the incline railway. Now, I, I have a place up the Skoka Way, and a lot of the people up there use um, incline railways to get to their boats because they're up on rocks, you see, and they have to get down 35, 40 feet to their boat. Um and these inclined railways uh, are a wonderful um, atmospheric conveyance. I, I've been on one in Pittsburgh that's really fun. And so what I did is I, I had a, uh, an inclined railway running up the face of the escarpment. And in the second book, which is <laughs> actually kind of a monster story, if you like, uh, the confrontation between my detective and his companion and the, the apparition takes place actually on the face of the escarpment looking down <laughs> looking down at Lake Ontario and up at the lip of the escarpment oh and the third book now this is you're talking about romantic atmosphere where else can you go on an old streetcar through the unspoiled trees of a forest in autumn and arriving at an old rural schoolhouse. I mean, it's just guaranteed to, to be uh, rich with atmosphere when you're writing a ghost story. And my, and my third book, which takes place in a haunted schoolhouse, essentially, uh, is, is cited on the Halton Radial Steam, Halton Radial Train Museum, which is up towards Milton. Wonderful place. If you haven't seen it, you should get up there and look at it. And my my detective uh, happily rides through the forest on the on an old line which uh, originally ran all the way from Toronto to to Guelph, I believe. And I've actually used that trope in two of the books: the idea of the old railway line that used to join the two cities. We might be beating a dead horse here, but why not? It's our podcast. We can do what we want. 
you know, the, it, I find it, I find it's interesting that you know when we we hear of authors locally, and most of it's you know kind of taking a historian, obviously a textbook approach to writing the history. The fact that you took it in this fictional motif, you know, what, what, maybe you can tell us like what the what the response has been because it. it it's it's something about taking like this region that we know so well we know we know fairly intimately and then taking it onto the 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 global stage if you will through your, through your work and I'm wondering can you maybe give us an uh, you know what what's the feedback you've received from uh, from your readers or from your publisher on on the three books you've published so far I've had a, a great deal of feedback I mean what the most immediate one I suppose would be that the book is on sale on Amazon and. Uh, there are several reviews, uh, one of which from an American who said that the, that the uh, location was almost like another character uh, in, the, in the book. And uh, I, um, I made a, a real point of, of evoking the, the local scenery. Uh, my style has been described by some people as literary, and uh, since it's received good reviews from some of the rating agencies. I take that as a compliment. Um, I, I try and use words that matter. And uh, there's a danger there, of course. I mean, your, your text can become too dense and too, too rich, and then it slows the story. And so you sort of have this balance between trying to be Hemingway with his sparse style on the one hand and Fitzgerald on the other hand with his poetic meanderings and and uh, I, I love them both so but I've also had uh, the experience of uh, visiting book clubs and and they uh, have told me that they they enjoy and find a certain novelty in reading about their own uh, locations my my cousin in Scotland in Edinburgh. <laughs> He said he laughs sometimes because he's reading my books and he recognizes the personal illusions that I'm making, uh, having visited me here and so on. But yes, it's very much a, um, a, a story, uh, three stories really, that take place just outside my front door. But I, I still say that they have the quality of atmosphere and... Um, foreboding and so on that you expect in a, in a ghost story. Oh, I was just going to say, there's something about reading a ghost story that's set in your own backyard and you can kind of, you know, when you read it, you say, I know where that is. You know, you can, you, when you, after you put the book down, you can literally go and, and walk those paths or walk by those, those houses and settings. And, you know, it takes on, it takes on, it's not just a, a fictional imaginary story. It's now, it's real. It's tangible. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I was going to say that uh, it's difficult to write a ghost story now because, uh, of course, you're dealing with a readership that's quite scientifically savvy, and they're not Victorians or Edwardians anymore. And so the conventional imagery of the ghost story involving, you know, um, uh, sort of bright lights and... Uh, waiting rooms for heaven, that kind of thing doesn't work anymore if you're trying to reach a modern audience. And so my books are imbued with, you might even call it scientific uh, speculation, because I'm, uh, as I said, time obsessed. Uh, the The thing that fascinates me is is the flow of time and the nature of time. Modern physics is telling us that 
all things move towards the area where time goes most slowly. Think about that. At the center of the Milky Way, there's this massive black hole, and everything is being drawn towards its event horizon where time simply stops. And so the idea of life and death seen against this context of a scientific view of time becomes very interesting. And in particular, the first book that I wrote, uh, Requiem for Thursday, it really is all about the, re- the manipulation of time. Uh, time is the, is the new ghost story. Death of, uh, can be defined as the moment at which time stops its forward flow. That's really interesting. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of theme that um, certainly interested me a lot over the years in sort of reading both uh, sort of children's books and as, a, as, a, as an adult. I mean, it's, uh, as I say, I haven't read the books yet. I'm really looking forward to reading them. I think that's the best way of putting that. <laughs> now, I mean, as an author in, in Burlington, do you uh, what's what's the kind of uh, literary scene like? Do you find is is there a sort of good community of other authors um, in the region? Uh, you know, we really have to do some work there because I, I would say that I feel a bit isolated. Now I'm very much part of the local artistic community because I I'm with the Burlington Fine Arts Guild, for example, and. Um, the wonderful people at the Art Gallery of Burlington. But but as a writer, I don't feel connected. For example, the Burlington Literary Festival, which is happening right now, um, I, I don't know many of the people uh, involved in it and associated with it. In fairness, I've been really isolated by the COVID-19 situation, and had had the world been a little bit different, I would have been more of a presence in the local libraries and and so on. I have done a lot of speaking um, using uh, digital projection and so on, and one of the presentations I've been giving is what I call the ghost aesthetic, in which I talk about how ghost stories have been uh, used during the, the, the down during the the passing years in different ways in the movies and theater and so on. But um, really, I don't feel that I know local authors or have uh, even a mechanism through which I could socialize with them, get to know them. Well, that sounds like there's a, there's a need for a, a new author's society or, or something like that. If anybody's listening, there you go. There's an idea to to take and run with. So, so what's what's next for you, Doug? Are you are you planning uh, another another series or or, can, or expanding on the current one? Uh, obviously, you've got many other interests too. You can see you're you're a talented artist as well. Are you planning on on more books? The uh, the trilogy is complete, and it takes my uh, my characters in a, a nice arc. The the last book sort of ties things in a nice little bow. You know the relationships and and so on. However, my publisher did use the word series once, and I <laughs> I would uh, like nothing better than to to write more books involving um, Carly Rule, the the heroine of my my series, and Detective Eilert Weiss, who is with the Halton regional police and i'd love to see where they go next but uh only time will tell and the marketplace 
there are other uh, ways I can express myself, fortunately, since I'm an, an illustrator uh, and have done book covers and things like that. I, I have plenty of things that I can do to, to uh, stretch my legs creatively. Doug, uh, I, I want to come back to something you said. You were going to present, you, you're, you want to talk about something, and I cut you off earlier, and I'm, I felt bad about it, so I'm going to throw it back to you. And, that, and if, you want to, if you wanted to go back to that, that topic, you want, the point that you wanted to make a little while ago. Gosh, I'm not sure what you're referring to. It may be because I wanted to okay. say something about the nature of the ghost story. And uh, yes, uh, I, please think, do. I think I, I have touched on that. The idea that uh, you can't simply continue to tell ghost stories in the way that they were told in the past with mm -hmm. their heavy religious uh, overtones and, and Victorian notions of, of death and mourning and so on. You know, I... I I don't write horror stories, but there was one moment where I felt as though I was touching on the realm of horror in the third book. Did you know that they used to take photographs of dead bodies as a way of remembering the bereaved? Uh, and one of the photographs that I saw in my research showed a mother and father with their grown daughter who had passed away. And uh, the thing that really... Uh, gave me chills was that the daughter was in perfect focus and the mother and father were slightly blurry because of course only the dead can stay that still for long enough for a long exposure so it's a different type of uh, ghost story and new imagery there might be somebody listening here uh, to this podcast who might have an idea for a, a story they not necessarily a supernatural mystery uh, per se, but some, they might be looking at a, a story of their own that they want to uh, put pen to paper. As somebody who's written three uh, bestsellers on Amazon, Doug, could you maybe give some advice to, uh, to an up-and-coming author who, who doesn't know where to start or, or might look at that entire project as a, as a too daunting of a task? You know, I'd, I'd love to say something encouraging. I mean, I was a teacher, and, and one of the roles of teachers is to try and make people realize what, what's possible and to, to, to realize their, their ambitions and so on. Uh, anybody can do it, but the numbers are definitely stacked against you. It's such a huge market out there. Just getting noticed is, is the hard part. As far as writing is concerned, write if you love doing it, and if you do love doing it, you will continue to write. And uh, I wrote uh, three novels before the one that actually got published. So you just have to be persistent and really enjoy what you're doing. Well, I hope there's a, another author from the 905 somewhere who's listening who will take your words to heart and... Uh, Again, put pen to paper and, and cause yeah, I think there's a lot of stories waiting to be told in this, in this region. And there's a lot to offer, uh, from the 905 to the world. That's true. Well, we should wrap up just, and, and just repeat the, the titles of all your books, Doug, um, <clears throat> as we, uh, bring everything to conclusion. So Requiem for, for Thursday, Requiem for Noah and Requiem for Mary Mac are available from all good bookstores, and, and one of those bookstores is certainly Amazon. Um, and you've got solid five-star reviews for all three, so I think um, from from uh, from people who've read them, so uh, uh, I think that tells its own story. And, and, and they uh, also make um, excellent stocking stuffers. 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We've got Christmas coming up, everybody. So holidays <laughs> and Christmas. Yeah, well, I'm certainly uh, going to uh, uh, take a look and looking forward to that. Um, so thanks so much, uh, Doug, for coming on to the onto the podcast, and uh, we wish you well, and hope hope we'll see some uh, more books from you in the future. It's a pleasure. It was really nice talking to you. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.